Greetings and welcome to episode number 61 of the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. I had Georgia GK as our special guest for today's episode and all of our dogs. So you'll hear Wilson in there. You'll hear Georgia's dogs barking in there. I already apologize to Berta in advance for all the dog barking, but you guys are just going to have to bear with us because basically this episode is a crash course on becoming a website designer and aligning yourself with a brand designer to make your job easier, your clients' lives easier, and everything more beautiful. Enjoy the episode. Kiss my aesthetic. Branding, marketing, entrepreneurship. You're listening to the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Winterstein of MKW Creative Co., where we build brag worthy brands through visual identity design and social media. You're in the right spot for branding, marketing, and entrepreneurship advice. So enjoy the episode. Greetings and welcome back to the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. I'm so excited to have first time guest, which we just realized before this call. First time guest, Georgia. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Finally, I feel like I listen to it all the time and now I'll get to listen to my own episode. A full circle moment. Uh, Georgia, for anyone who doesn't know you because they haven't seen me shout you out on my stories before, um, can you tell us who you are, what you do and how you got started with web design work? Yes. So as you just stated, I am a web designer. I work primarily within WordPress and Show It. Those are my two loves, but occasionally I will work in other platforms if needed. Uh, And I got started actually in corporate. I was side hustling the whole time, just had a lot of projects that I was more interested in than my actual nine to five job. And after a while, I was just like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm wasting so much time each week just working and decided to give it a go and quit. And I had built up a clientele at that time, which was awesome. So turned in my two weeks. And then ironically, two weeks later, COVID hit, (laughs) which I was terrified. And I was like, wow, I just gave up my health insurance. This sucks. But it turned out being actually really good in like a sad way, I guess, because there were so many new entrepreneurs popping out of COVID because people were quitting or they were getting furloughed or realizing that they didn't like the work environment. They weren't being supported as employees. And they're like, you know what? I can start my own business. And so I work with a lot of newer entrepreneurs. So it sort of worked out that I was able to connect with them as they were building their new businesses. And yeah, and now we're here today and I'm still doing that. I can't believe you really only quit your job right before the pandemic. How did I not put that timeline together? Yeah, it's it's weird if I think about it because it feels longer to me, but I, I think it feels longer because I was side hustling the whole time. Like I started doing freelance actually in college. So it's been, it's been a few years. In my head, I think I graduated college last year, but it was it's been a few years. <laughs> yeah, same, same. I think about that too. I'm like, well, I started my business um, – the summer between my junior and senior year, but I didn't start it as a business. I started it as I have a laptop and I have illustrator on my computer. Like I can make you Mm -hmm. some things and it kind of evolves and grows. But then how did, what year did we get connected? Oh, that's a good question because we definitely, it was, it was pre COVID. I know that for a fact. And it was before I went full time, but I actually remember I was looking up something to do with Amazon affiliates and I had been looking in the freelancing females group. And then I have been looking in other Facebook groups and just Googling. And one of your blog posts came up about Amazon affiliates. And I remember at the time I was like always sliding in the DMs because I was like, oh, I want to like connect with these people. And it wasn't even in a salesy way. It was just like, oh, they're doing what I do. Like I want to make friends with them and chat with them. And you seemed really personable. I had watched some of your content and I was like, she seems cool. And I slid in and then you responded. And I think we just went from there and became, you know, work wife status. (laughs) 
<laughs> Absolutely. What I appreciated about you was you always would laugh at my jokes that I would make on Instagram that I thought were funny that nobody else thought was funny. And I can always count on Georgia for sending like the crying laughing face emoji, like and all the caps responses. But since then, we've actually been able to work on some cool client projects. Mm-hmm. So starting with San Diego brokerage, real estate website to now same skin community, you've been able to kind of take the branding that we've created and then represent it in an online digital kind of way. Can you kind of walk us through that? Yeah. I mean, it's such an honor to work with any MKW client because they're coming to me and I know their stuff is good. Like I know they went through the process. They went through all of the discovery and all of the iterations until it really became a perfect, perfect brand. So every time you send someone my way, I'm like, yes, like this is going to be the best project. It's going to be organized. I've got all my stuff ahead of time. So when someone comes in from Michelle, my first step is just getting a vibe for the project. So we'll connect via email and then I'll be like, hey, let's hop on an actual call and chat through what you need specifically. Because while they have all of their branding in place, the next step is to figure out what that online home is going to look like. How many pages? Do they need e-commerce integration? Are they selling anything online? Are they doing freebie downloads? You know, What do they actually need online? And then also outside of the branding, another really, really important thing for a website is the actual content on it. So copywriting, Uh, there's sort of this misunderstanding, I guess I would say, when people are working with web designers where they don't fully understand the scope of work that we do. And we're really just focused on the website design. We're not necessarily copywriters all the time. I have a background in copywriting, so I've been fortunate enough to be able to offer done with you copywriting. But when somebody comes in with it already done, it's like bonus points all the way because it makes my job a lot easier. So that's what we start with is just figuring out that scope. And then when we're ready to move forward, we pick out their start date. And from there, we're off to the races. And then obviously, I like to share sneak peeks along the way of how the brand's coming to be. And it's really nice to having that connection with you because if I have questions about like, hey, like is this font okay in this place? Can I use this actually as like a pre-heading or something like that? I can pass that along to you. And I also know if you're doing social, then that all ties in as well for any graphics I might need. So it's really a nice back and forth relationship while benefiting the client the entire time with consistency for their brand. Absolutely. It's about kind of, I explain it as like, anytime I embark on a creative project, the analogy that seems to stick is if you hire me to bake you a cake, I'm going to make you a cake that you like much easier if you can help provide the ingredients. Like I know how to make it, but if I can walk into a fully stocked kitchen with all clean tools and a clean oven and like things are ready to go, the measuring cups are set out, everything's amazing, then we can get right to work. If you're telling me I have no idea what flavor my cake should be, then it's like, okay, well then we got to go to the grocery store and get the ingredients. And like, it just starts (laughs) that whole process, like really from square one versus being prepared or being ready, ready to start baking. Right. So you also have a service called Designer Days. You kind of walked me through that offering. And now my clients are hooked on this idea because we offer something similar as well. But tell us about Designer Days in a website capacity and how you came up with that idea and then started implementing it. Yeah. Well, I love designer days. I love that you're doing them now as well, because it really is the perfect service offering. It's definitely my favorite, but I actually started offering that due to COVID. Like it was a COVID idea where we had all these new entrepreneurs coming in 
and they were starting new businesses. So they really didn't need a full, you know, five page, six page website. They didn't really know that much about their brand other than they had an idea. They wanted to make it happen and they needed an online presence in order to make that more realistic. And so I had a lot of inquiries coming in from people just like that, where they had a smaller budget. They really wanted it done yesterday. They didn't have a full understanding of the process. And so I thought, huh, what if I could offer a super, super condensed, almost mini site in a way and knock it out in a day for them and just get it done. And they've got full access to me for the day because they are going to have millions of questions and it is really annoying to go back and forth over email. So let's just be able to get on a call if we need to, be able to communicate back and forth on a chat app. So that's how the idea came to be. And my very first one, Michelle, was such a nightmare. Um, not the client, Abby, if you're listening to this, you were, you were not a nightmare. My process was a nightmare because I didn't know what I was doing and it was a test sort of beta run. So priced it really, really low. I think it was like 500 bucks mm-hmm, and I did mm-hmm, a mm-hmm. full website, Michelle, like custom website. Like, and it's beautiful. It's, I love the website, but yeah, I just, I didn't know what I was doing. I was just kind of putting it out there and thinking, okay, we're going to start messy and figure it out from there. And I'm really glad I did because if I had quit right after that, which was definitely in my head, I was like, wow, this sucks. Like that was not fun. I'm exhausted. Uh, But moving forward, I've really nailed down my process. And today, the designer day flows so efficiently. Like it is the perfect process. Basically, when I have a client say, uh, say, somebody comes in with a brand from MKW. So they've got their branding in place. Maybe they need a little bit of help with copy. What I basically do is hop on a call with them, chat through the scope and be like, okay, so we need a long form homepage. And then we're going to need a contact section and maybe an Instagram links page. Okay. So we've got a really small scale site. And then I'll say, okay, we've got your branding figured out. Let's just kind of hone in on your copy. So I send over a discovery questionnaire for them. And the great thing, if anyone is listening and you are planning on working with Michelle, your discovery questionnaire, if you work with me for your website, will be considerably shorter because everything's already done. So I literally <laughs> will just go in and fill out all the blanks. And I'm like, I just need like maybe your address or something. Like I've got everything else. So We fill that out and then I have about a week before we hop on what's called a strategy call. And during that week before we meet, I'm actually creating a mock-up of the website. So the full website design. And then during the strategy call, we chat through that and they get to see the mock-up. We go through the design, all the elements are in there. So that's really the feedback time is during that strategy call. It's usually like 60 to 90 minutes. And that's the bulk of work for them because the next day, is the designer day. I'm building out the whole website and their platform and really just sending over links for them to check out and make sure it's displaying correctly on their device. Uh, Then they get a week of support after that. And one of the really cool things is that they also get a library of custom training videos. So I'm going to go through, screen share the website, show you how to change the images and the copy because a big, big thing for me is making sure that as an entrepreneur, someone is able to update their website on their own. If they want to work with me for maintenance, they can. But I never, ever, ever want to lock someone into that feeling of like, oh my gosh, I invested in this and I can't even update it myself. Like that sucks. I see it all the time with agencies. Uh, it, it's just, it's struggle. It's and a so business it's a big model complaint. though. For some of those agencies, that's their business model. And I'm very similar to you in that I never wanted to operate that way. I always wanted to give my clients like full ownership of their brand. So for us, that looks like uploading all of their assets into Canva so that they know they can access. Wilson, you're being so rude. You're being so rude. Okay. What I wanted to say is I want to circle back to what you said about offering your first website for only $500. I say this all the time on TikTok. People ask me like, how do you scale 
to the prices that you now list on your website as an agency with eight years experience and 500 different brands in your portfolio. And I always remind people like, if you're offering a new service or a new product, you have to price below the market. You have to aggressively price it because you don't have the experience to charge $10,000 for a brand or $8,000 for a website because you've never done it before. And the only way to get experience is to have experiences. So like you can't be there yet. And I think that that's such a, a thing that freelancers specifically and people who are like getting into work for the first time, they miss because they see what they're quote unquote competitors are charging. And they go, well, if they can charge that, then I can charge this. It's like, no, you don't have the demand, the experience, the process, the systems, the referral base that someone who is more established does. And it takes time to get there, but it's super, super possible. I think it's totally like, it's something that people really, really miss. Um, And I love that you kind of got to your process over time. It's like take messy action, right? So how you kind of have outlined that process for us. What were some of the things that you didn't implement on those first few projects that now like you must, 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 like if the client doesn't do this step, they're like, eh, your project is not on timeline anymore. Oh, that is a good question. And honestly, so helpful for anyone listening who's thinking of doing a day rate, like listen to these mistakes that I made, because honestly, I learned them the hard way (laughs) and through a lot of wasted time specifically. Number one, and this is so, so important. Personally, I will not book a designer day with anyone who is not willing to get on a consult call with me and do a video call. Um, I've done a few phone calls too, and that's that's fine. Sometimes there's tech issues, but they absolutely have to be willing to take the time to get on a consult call with me and talk about their business. And the biggest reason for that is... A, I need to see how they communicate. You know, are you someone who frankly is going to be respectful to me and who speaks in a way that I don't feel like I'm being, you know, like I don't want to work with you type of vibes. We all had them. Um, So that's number one. And then also I need to get a feel for where you are with your business. If we get on a call and I'm asking you questions, I can only guide you so much. If you literally cannot even tell me what your business does or what the services or products are, huge red flag. You're not quite ready for a website yet. And I need to know that before I'm like, here's a contract, like hope it works out. So those are the first two things is just in general, that check for me on my end to see if they're a good client for me. Um, And obviously they need to see if I'm the right designer for them. But so that's number one. Number two, I would say is being very, very, very clear on the scope. Something I see a lot of times with uh, designer days, day rates in general, is that people have this terminology of we'll see how much we can get done. Like you're booking me for the day. Here's what I can usually get done. And legally, I understand that. However, if somebody is paying me a premium price, they're hiring me for the day we're getting it done. And if for any reason something goes wrong on my end and I need to put in an extra hour or two, that's on me. But they are getting what they paid for. And that's just always frustrated me when I see that because I would be livid if I paid a couple thousand and somebody's like, oh, I just, I wasn't feeling productive today. Like, I'm not saying people do that, but like just having that loophole, I'm like, "Mm, no thanks. So that's another thing is being very clear on scope and literally on the consult call, I will lay out the pages that we're designing. I'm like, we're doing a home page and about page. We're doing a sales page that is short form, which means short form, not long form. So getting really into the scope, very important and outlining that in the contract as well. Uh, and the number three is deadlines. 
deadlines are so important. I definitely have a tendency to be a little bit flexible. I know life happens, but for a day rate service, the number one thing when I send over a discovery questionnaire, that deadline is a hard deadline. I do about four to six designer days a month, and I just do not have the time to scoot people around in the schedule. Like you got to get it done. If it's not done by the deadline, you go to my next availability, or I have the right to cancel. And that's in my contract because What I don't want to happen is somebody to keep pushing. And it's just like, I hate not being able to close the loop on a project. So sticking to the deadlines, and I will reiterate it so many times. It's in the email they receive. They have to check a box on the contract. It's going to be on the top of the questionnaire. It's at the end of the questionnaire. I have scheduled emails that go out and, you know, remind them of it. So making sure that's done is super important because of my process and the fact that I design the mock-up of the website before we get on our call. I have to have at least a week to do that. Otherwise, I can't deliver what they're wanting. Like it's not fair to them or to me and my time. So those are my top three, I'd say. Obviously, there's a lot more, but top three for sure are those three. And this is maybe where people who are trying to become web designers or get really like swooped up in Instagram or TikTok gurus telling you how to make $80,000 a month, like the the ridiculousness of that, when you realize like, obviously Georgia's working more than one day on one project. She's not doing this every single Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. She's not doing five websites. She's doing four to six a month. She's got a process. She has a system that works. And then you can kind of create your lifestyle based around like how much you want to do in a month. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And the other thing too is I, and I sometimes get confused with this as well. When you're on Instagram and stuff, you've got to keep in mind that another designer isn't necessarily marketing to you, like their competition, they're marketing to the client. So I'm not going to get on there and be like, Hey, like this took me X, Y, Z amount of hours to do. And then I did this. And then I did this. The client really just wants to know what's the time commitment on my end? How much do I have to put into this? And when is it going to be live from start to finish? Like, that's really what they care about. And that was something I sort of struggled with at first was figuring out the best way of communicating it. Because I was like, is it honest to say it's just a day? But in terms of the marketing purposes for the client, it is just a day for them. Like, it's honestly less than a day for them because they just need to do a consult call fill out a questionnaire, maybe it'll take an hour, maybe less. And then during the designer day, they go about their life as usual. They just need to be by their phone in case I have any follow-up questions or something like that. But it's it's just a day and I don't feel the need to get into all those details if it's not necessary. Absolutely. It's so important to like set those clear client expectations because an upset client is only a miscommunication really and missed expectations. Mm -hmm. So if you can outline everything and you say, this is exactly how this is going to work. And this is exactly what I will need from you. And when we do the same thing on our team, we say, this is when we will have a video call. This is when I'm looking for feedback on Basecamp. This is when I'm just looking for like a thumbs up, thumbs down, green light, go that kind of feedback and telling them how you want to receive feedback eliminate so much back and forth and so much confusion. And it makes sure that that project stays on track, right? Yeah. Going through how to provide feedback is super important because you get the people that want to text you and it's like, no, Mm -hmm. you can't have my number. Like they have the chat app, the email. Yeah. I would say condensing down feedback is something that took me a while to find my sweet spot. And I think I'll still be refining it for full website projects moving forward because it's just ever changing with all the technology just changing and people wanting to try different things. And website projects also have a tendency to have scope creep. So like you said, really Mm -hmm. outlining what is the scope of work? How many pages are we doing? What are the features? What are the plugins? What are the add-ons that are going to happen? 
But kind of walk us through the difference between a web design project where someone came to you with full branding, ready to rock, right? The fully stocked kitchen, ready to go, ready to jump in versus someone who maybe didn't have what they said they had. They have maybe like a font that they like and two colors. Um, What does the difference look like from an investment standpoint, but also from a workflow standpoint for something Mm -hmm. like your designer day? I'd say the biggest thing with investment is that obviously your investment is going to be smaller if you come prepared with more things that I need for your project. That's just sort of a given. So if somebody comes in, they've got their full brand, they've got everything good to go on the visual standpoint, that severely cuts down on the amount of work I have to do, especially on the research side of things. I don't think people fully realize all the time that we don't just design something that's, you know, looks good. Like that's a big part of it. Sure. But I'm also doing a lot of research into your competitors. I'm doing a lot of research into the styles you said you liked, like, is that actually going to vibe with your ideal audience? Because just because you like it doesn't mean that your ideal target audience is going to like it as well. So really, really cuts down on the investment is the first thing. And in terms of timeline, again, cuts down on that because we're not having to do as much discovery. I mean, like I mentioned earlier, when somebody comes in, they're from MKW, I already know that their discovery questionnaire is mostly filled out. Like I have a lot of the questions that I would be asking, you've already asked as part of the brand discovery, you know, like who are your competitors? Like, tell me about your ideal client, you know, the inspiration, the meaning behind your business name. Like those are all things I want to know too. So you've already done the work for me. I'm like, thank you, Michelle. Like, so that's really, really helpful. Uh, And then in terms of timeline, that, I mean, again, it just, I'm just repeating myself at this point, it cuts it down. So if you really want your website process to move in a very streamlined fashion and be possibly a little bit more affordable of an investment, having your branding done first is really helpful. Um, And then in terms of scope creep, which you mentioned, the number one thing I would say for scope creep as a website designer comes in from items that aren't website design necessarily. So somebody like wanting to change the font or like, can I just see this green in a different color? Or like, oh, like, can we update my logo so that it looks like this instead? Or like, they don't have the favicon or favicon, however you pronounce it, that little icon at the top of your screen, like they don't have it and they want you to make one. So those are things that are outside of the scope. And so having somebody who is very unclear on those things is gonna severely drag out the project if you're bending and allowing it to drag out the project, which is something I definitely did when I first started. And now it's like, I immediately have a response back of, hey, you know, these are things you need to provide me. This was already something we talked about. This is what was agreed upon. You know, there will be a fee to go back and rethink all of this stuff because even changing a font after I've already designed five pages of a website, oh my God, Michelle, like it ruins the whole thing. Like that is the vibe. The font is the vibe. So hugely important. Yeah, and it kind of, I mean, it's really easy to be when you're new to kind of get, oh, I want to say bullied, but to kind of be persuaded into providing extras. Yeah. And what I explained to my team is like, I would much rather give these extras to the client that's always 100% happy with our work. I would much rather spend the time like experimenting with the clients that love us and who are obsessed with us and refer us all the time than the client who wants to like nickel and dime and kind of like, oh, well, maybe if this, and like, like want to stand over your shoulder and like click the mouse for you. Right. 
So the worst. Uh huh. The (laughs) micromanagement side, because at the end of the day, you're hiring someone like myself or hiring someone like Georgia because you believe us to be professionals at what we do best, and so we are going to always give you our professional best. So trust us that when we show you green on your website, we've probably already played with all the other combinations of the other greens, (laughs) and this was the best option. So if you'd like to sit there and us to show you how we arrived at that conclusion. Sure, it's going to be a worldwide waste of your time, and we're the professionals. So trust that when we show you work, that it's going to be in the most professional presentation that we know how to do based on our collective experience, right? Exactly. Yeah. I'm kind of cracking up at the comment about like, I tested all the other greens because really early in my process, I would do video calls for feedback, which sometimes are necessary. But recently, within the past year, I'd say, I completely cut out video calls except for the initial like kickoff meeting to go through their questionnaire and just go through expectations. And then like the final test call where the website's live, we're just going to do one quick walkthrough, make sure everything's looking good. You know, did you get your contact form submission? Is it showing correctly? Is everything displaying that type of stuff? What I do now is I design all my mockups in Adobe XD, which is just a program that makes mockups, duh. Uh, And then I take a little link and I share it to the internet and they're able to go through and leave comments on it if they are somebody who prefers writing out feedback. Or if they are a chatterbox, they can use what's called Loom. It's a free software, um, or you can do paid if you want. But for them, they can use the free version and they can go through and provide audio feedback that way, page by page. But I no longer get on calls because what happened a lot of times would be, can I see it in this color? Or, hey, can we just, you know, change this just a smidge? And while that sounds like painless, like, oh, like not a big deal, when you have 40 of those one after the other, it's such a waste of everyone's time. And it's also just not strategic. It's like, I am not like a pixel pusher. So I just And it usually out. comes back to the first draft anyway. You Yay! usually do the oh, whole process. 100%. And they go, wait a second. I liked it the way you had it. Can we go back to the way that you had it? And you're like, yep. oh my goodness. Yes, of course. Like, yes, of course we can. Like, of course. But that does beg the question for your favorite, favorite clients. Instead of catering to the ones that are going to be like nitpicky or like, micromanagey pixel pusher vibes. Um, do you implement any kind of like secret menu or extra offerings for your very VIP clients? Like your most favorite clients you're like, Oh hell yeah, I'll do that for you. (laughs) I would say yes. I really, I wouldn't say I necessarily have like a secret menu with all of these things, but in terms of ongoing website maintenance, I only will do that for existing clients that I personally built their website. A big reason for that is because I know how it's built. Like I know what the back end looks like. Um, if they're asking to change a few words of copy on a page, I know that I'm not going to go in there and suddenly there's five different plugins that are somehow in there and there's some snippet of custom code somewhere. So I have to have built their website in order to provide any maintenance. So I have two tiers actually that I do. Uh, they can either do hourly up to two hours per month. So I really severely limit it only because it's really just if they need copy changed or like, hey, I want to update an image or add a blog post, that type of thing. The next tier up is a half designer day. So basically half day, right? We get in there, you're going to have your call, you're still going to get your discovery process. And I'll get in there and do all of the work within that day. Um, this has actually been the most popular form of maintenance for past clients because they love having the VIP access. And if you really think about it, you're like, huh, but I'm sure hourly would be more affordable. It's actually not that popular because they prefer to have the VIP experience. They prefer to get on my calendar immediately versus having to wait possibly like a 
week and a half, two weeks, because I really just kind of fit that in when I'm able to versus blocking out an entire half day. But San Diego Brokerage, actually, so your your client, San Diego Brokerage, one of the first brands we worked on together, they have booked several half day rates and they are such a dream to work with. So I would say I definitely give a little bit of special attention. There's been a few projects that were, I think, a little bit outside of the scope of a half day. And I was like, you know what? We're going to do it. They're such a loyal customer. They come back. Alex, if you're Mm -hmm. listening to this, she is amazing. So organized, provides feedback immediately. So stuff like that, I'm willing to kind of work with the client on what's the best option for them. So yeah, be nice to your designer and you may, you know, get a few extra goodies. (laughs) Yeah, you get some perks, but it's also the idea of when you've invested in something, you're going to be invested in the outcome. So you're going to come prepared. Mm -hmm. You're going to make sure it's worth your time. You're going to make sure it's worth Georgia's time. And you're going to have your shit in order because you actually put something on the calendar instead of just having onesie twosie hours, which maybe you use some months and some months you don't. It makes so much sense. I think especially with like the way that things are heading from just like a general freelance gig economy standpoint, I think people really value those kinds of sessions because they want the individualized attention and they also want to come prepared with like, here's my laundry list of things that I need done. And to have it, the idea that it could be done in one day is like, oh, like amazing. Exactly. Amazing. Especially with that personal attention. Cause when you're just emailing back and forth about something for like an hourly edit, you're not really getting that personal attention. Whereas if I get on a call and this actually just happened the other day, I was chatting with Alex. She just Mm -hmm. did a half day rate for San Diego brokerage. When we got on that call, we were able to talk through the larger strategy and actually add in a few things to the to-do list that needed to be made. And I was like, Hey, do you need tutorial videos on some of these items and really hone in on what they actually need versus just sending over that laundry list of stuff to be done? Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about partnering up with other professionals in your space. As we said, we connected, I want to say it was like 2017 or 2018. That's going to be my guess. I should really go look back all the way to the beginning of our DMs. There's so many, but I should really look back (laughs) at the beginning. But we kind of started as just kind of like fellow freelance friends. And then I was like, oh, well, I'm not going to do websites anymore. I got out of doing websites and I started passing referrals to you. And then we've kind of been able to stay in touch. But let's talk about what are some of the benefits of like finding your like quote unquote work wife that like is the yin to your yang. I'm color. Georgia's all black. Everything. (laughs) Um, We have like, we're in totally different markets, but we can share clients. We also, I think have a really similar energy and a similar attention to detail, but our skill sets are separate. And I think that that makes a really good balance for us to support each other, not only in passing business, but to like get input. Like I'm struggling with this, or I had a hard conversation about that. Like what's your unbiased take because you know enough about all the players in this space to be able to give feedback. I think that's, it's been super, super valuable to me. So I thank you so much for just like letting me bend your ear on a regular basis. You always seem to call me on a dog walk though. And there's like wind blowing everywhere because I'm on the coast, Um, but it's been, it's been really awesome to kind of grow parallel to each other. Mm -hmm. So talk me kind of like, not that we like set out to do that really, but talk about the other, like how to have those creative friendships because we've actually never met in person. I know. Isn't that weird? You can believe we that. It and then it didn't happen. But I know. Yeah, I know. We'll it happen. We could do an in-person podcast recording. I feel like that would be so For fun. real. It, with yeah. wine. Yeah, that would be great. That would be great. Hey, designers. You probably heard me say something a little bit ago called the Kiss My Portfolio Challenge. If you're unfamiliar, I created a 10-day, 10-prompt challenge to help designers design better through a hypothetical business idea. You can actually purchase these challenges exactly on my website, and this will walk you through a whole project that you can then use on your website, on your social, 
and pretty much anywhere else to show off your mad design skills. The link is in today's show notes for the episode, but you can also go directly to my website, mkwcreative.co and search Kiss My Portfolio to check them out. Good luck. Tell us about kind of like how you approach the like entrepreneurship friendships. Ooh, that's a that's a good question because I don't have a formal answer. So just to be blatantly honest, I vibe with people who I think are funny and who don't take themselves too seriously on the internet. Um, and like when you mentioned earlier how I send messages in all caps, <laughs> I talk the way I speak and I speak very excitedly at times. So if I send a message in all caps, it means I'm excited. Not that I'm like yelling at you, but you know, some people just like don't vibe with it. Like no hate to them, but they just don't have a personality that vibes with yours. So I think the number one thing is not even to look at it as like an entrepreneurship friend, but just like, would I actually be friends with this person? Do I like that? Like that's the the biggest thing. Um, And then I also feel like, and this is going to sound major hater, but I can't stand when I, and I feel like this has been happening a lot on Instagram when I see the always online friendships where they're like, doing all their photo shoots and stuff, but it comes across clicky. Like, I think there's a huge Mm -hmm. difference between like, wow, you know, like we're helping each other's businesses and we're doing great service versus like, wow, we took photos together and we constantly talk about having 8K months, but we're not really providing any value. And, you know, if you DM us, we're going to send you a heart. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Mm -hmm. It just kind of bugs me. It feels very inauthentic if the life you present online is very different from the life you're actually living and you're kind of hyping up stuff that doesn't exist within your business. So I think that's the other thing too, is like, I've literally had days where I'll like send you a message and I'm like, this client is driving me nuts. Mm -hmm. Like, and I'm, you know, it just, I like the realness and the genuineness. I don't think I'm alone in feeling like that, but I think there's definitely a trend on Instagram right now, especially with the social media influencers within our space, within the design space. Yeah. I think you're totally right about that. And I think that there's you can have super, super authentic like friendships and work friendships with people. Mm-hmm. But because you and I, I think it's almost a benefit that we're not in the same geographical market either because yeah. it gives us kind of, again, I'm looking for that impartial person. I've got my own personal like entrepreneurship network is like my mom, my sister, and my team, right? But sometimes there are things that go on that you're just like, damn, I just need a 100% outsider's opinion. Like yep. I need somebody who's not in it, who's like, can see it for what it is, can understand the players in the space, can help me call out what feels fake or what feels like a burnout or what feels like um, struggle or not being able to grow or whatever, like navigate through those more tough times that don't get broadcasted on social, that don't get like shouted out to the rooftops, but you still need that feedback. I think it's so valuable to like find those strategic people and to be able to support one another without and be two separate entities. Yeah, exactly. Totally agree on that. And I think being able to like have an actual conversation with someone on social beyond just being like, love your pick, like, Mm -hmm. oh, love this, love that, blah, 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 blah. Like, I I think just if you want to be friends with someone, slide in the DMs, have a conversation. Please don't pitch them. Oh my God, that's annoying. Like when somebody's like, I'm a coach, I'm from California. Uh Hey, what are your goals? Watch your California slander mouth. Don't be hating on California. They're from Los Angeles, not San Diego. How about that? No, I'm just I'll take it. 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 No, no, no. It's it's super possible, but it's also like it's really easy to feel 
like jilted by that to feel like somebody yeah. might be reaching out to you inauthentically or trying to help you in an yeah. inauthentic way. Right. I feel like you can usually tell with your gut too, just the way it's worded. You're like, Ooh, I don't feel good about this. And at the end of the day, my biggest desire is for everyone that I'm friends with and everyone that I help to be uber fucking successful. Yeah. Like, I mm-hmm. want everyone to kill it. I want everyone to make as much money as they want to make. I want everyone to have the lifestyle that they want to have. So if I'm ever giving advice that feels like it's, not pushing, but it's like opening your eyes in another direction. It's only because I want those people to be successful. Like I have this conversation with my team, with my sister, with my mom. It's like, if we can all win, then we can all do all the cool things. And like, that's where it's coming from. And that's where like the pressure on my clients comes from or the pressure on my team or the pressure on like some of these other like professional relationships, not pressure in a negative way, but kind of a, like, I can see the potential for people. And so I want them to just like, not only realize it, but like act on it. And then be able to grow all together. Because if I can have just like the smallest little slice sliver of being part of their success story, that's a win. And it's such a good feeling too. Like it's not like a selfish feeling. It's more like, wow, like I'm glad I made an impact. And I love, you know, I genuinely adore this person and want to see them succeed. And I think that's a huge thing too, when finding just friends in general, this is now just about making friends, Michelle. That's okay. Back in kindergarten. It is. But it's hard. It's a hard and it's hard to talk about like in a short caption, right. Or in an Instagram story or real, like for crying out loud, like now all these reels are like five seconds or less. What are you even supposed to communicate anymore? Like just, it's so feels at times very surface level. And Georgia's heard the brunt of it because I've bitched to her about Instagram and my gripes about Instagram for the better part of a year. Um, and about being burnt out of the podcast or being burnt out on my projects, like burnout is real burnout, super real. And I think that if you can find those strategic people in your life that can kind of like help talk you off a ledge (laughs) (laughs) when you're going that direction and be like, no, you're fine. And you crushed it on this project and screw that person. And you're like, okay, thank you. That's what I needed (laughs) to hear. You You know what though? That's a good point too, though, is finding someone who's actually going to be honest with you because that's Mm -hmm. something I personally, I think that's why we kind of vibe too, because you are just very outspoken and very outgoing. And I'm actually an introvert, but I think it's easier for me to be very more extroverted online because I'm like, I can just turn the phone off. It's mm-hmm. like the equivalent of leaving a party. I'm like, okay, I'm done now. Like goodbye. Mm-hmm. But finding someone when you ask their opinion that they're actually going to give it to you, that it's not all this, uh, not that I'm not a positive person, but it's not all these, you know, butterflies and sunshine and everything's okay. And like, you just have to think about it and it'll be okay. It's like, no, sometimes like life is tough and it sucks and you just need to cry about it a little bit and then you'll be okay. But I think having a person who's going to give you their perspective even if it's not maybe what you want to hear, very, very helpful. Or if it's not what you want to do, like you can give someone advice and they can look at it and be like, yeah, no. (laughs) I mean, how many times have you told me I need to like post on Instagram? I made reels this week Uh just for you. I saw that. I I was really trying. I was like, I don't, I'm going to try to do Michelle Brown. I hate it though. I don't like doing it at all. And that's the thing is like, you don't, all this to say, you don't have to have a bajillion followers to be successful. Like yeah, you don't have so. to have 50K views on every reel to run a successful web design business or to have great clients or like all of those things that we try to tie up in these like metrics and kind of the appearances of being online really at the end of the day is not at all a reflection of like someone's success. Yeah. And I think that's something, especially as a newer designer that you get very caught up in. I mean, I remember when I was newer and I was still, I was just trying to hit a thousand followers. And I was like, when I hit that number, I'm going to be so happy. And I was, but now it's kind of like, it's not that I don't care. I just care more about the actual 
impact on my business. You know, Mm -hmm. if I make a post and it gets 50,000 views, that would be really cool. But if nobody reaches out to me or fills out my inquiry form, or even just honestly, a new designer reaches out and we become friends, like that's not a win to me. I'm like, okay, cool. I got a lot of views. Like a lot of people are looking at me, but uh, I don't really have anything to show for it. And so yeah, it, it, thinking about like, what am I actually getting out of this? Because people focus so much, so much on the vanity metrics and it's like, okay, but how is your business actually doing? Because or, you're spending or, all this time making this content with nothing to show for it. And you're not serving your clients and you're not bettering yourself in your business. You're not becoming an expert in anything. You're just like, you're in your full-time Instagram, like, which is fine yeah. if that's like, if that's your business goal, but there's, a, there's this disconnect sometimes that you notice. And I think a lot of, like you said, new designers get caught up into it. I think a lot of people that listen to this podcast are new designers or just embarking on design and they don't have like all these things of like, maybe they don't have the clarity to see that the social media, the public facing part of it is only a small facet of your business, right? right. Because you could have the best social media in the world, but if your process sucks, and you're not attracting the right kind of client and you're not making money, like you're dumping so much effort. Like where's the return on your effort, right? Like if I'm going to spend, if it takes me 45 minutes to create a piece of content for Instagram or multiple pieces of content, a reel, a story series, a carousel post, and then doing engagement and then keeping up with everybody in the DMs versus three minutes to make something on TikTok. And like my return is much higher over there. It's a dumb Mm -hmm. business decision to keep pursuing Instagram. Like that's not a good use of my time. If I don't put stuff on my calendar, like today, like updating my website with all my new photos, if I don't put that on my calendar and I continue to just make reels and TikToks and not focus on getting my new photos to my website, that's not a wise business decision. I've paid for these photos. They need to live on my website. We have to do the things, right? They're on my website and I haven't put them on social. It's funny. Yeah. So it's like, you have to start to prioritize. And I think that that comes with time. I think that the more that you get into owning your business, the more you understand, these are the things that I do better than everyone else that's in my circle. Here's what I like doing the most. Here's what I dread doing. And you can kind of create your priority accordingly. But at the top of that priority list should always be the client experience. Because at the end of the day, the clients are the ones that are paying for you to do your job in the first place. So if you're not prioritizing the client, you're not prioritizing the work, the quality of the work, the quality of the systems, the quality of your team, the quality of your tools, you're going to, all that other stuff doesn't matter. Like all those other dominoes are going to fall off because you didn't build the foundation of what it, the reason you're doing it in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. And the whole serving your clients part is so important. I heard this story and I'm not going to go into too many details, but about someone who was on Instagram and one of their clients DM'd them in response to one of their stories. And they're like, like, can I get a project update? Because they were just straight posting on Instagram like all day, every day, but the project was stalling and it was in a design community. And of course, everybody's like, oh my gosh, like that's so rude, like enforce your boundaries. But it's kind of like, maybe is a little rude. Sure. They could have sent you an email, but it sounds like you're just ignoring them, uh-huh. <laughs> like to be uh-huh. totally honest. So I, I, I think having that balance of like making sure you're serving your clients first and then doing that stuff, obviously you want to build your business, but really that quality work and having a great client experience that builds your business more than anything. Like that's most of my work is referrals, mm-hmm. whether it's from you, whether it's from a pr- prior client, that's so important to my business, not necessarily 
did I make a reel with the trending sound and was it funny? You know, Right. Or it's about setting your boundaries, letting that client know when they're going to expect the next draft from you and they can expect updates so that when you do go to happy hour with your friends and you post that you're having a glass of wine, like it's not coming as a surprise because that client's been like, their expectations have been set. Yep. Right. Or setting your boundaries. When you start a project, I don't take client calls outside of my call calendar. You have to get on my calendar. I'm very sorry that you have things on Tuesday, Thursdays, but those are when I have calls. Like, If that doesn't work for you, like we can see what we can do, but for the most part, you're going to have to get on my calendar and no one project is important than anybody else's project. So I don't work right. And if you need someone that needs to prioritize your project over everything else, you need to hire someone in-house because you got to play. Yeah. You got to play by the rules that we've set here. And I don't take client calls on Mondays and Fridays, period. I don't like it. I don't like talking to people on Monday and on Friday, I just want to do the podcast. So that like setting <laughs> yep. those boundaries makes it very clear. Also, it makes it clear for me to make sure that I'm scheduling in that time to recharge, to check in with my team, to prioritize the things that are important, to keep this whole yep. machine moving. Because if you don't do that and you only do client work 24 7, 365, like that is just going to become a problem in itself. Yeah. The boundaries are so, so important, especially just letting them know when you're going to be communicating with them. That's been hugely helpful for my designer days because they know they get the discovery questionnaire. Don't, don't come to me with a million questions because we will answer all your questions on that strategy call. Like that's the designated time. I don't give them access to the chat app. We use WhatsApp. I don't give them access to that until their designer day. And then anything after that, it's like, no, like after the support period, like this is not an ongoing communication channel for work. So if somebody messages me, I'll send an email saying like, hey, here's what that's going to be type of deal. But just letting them really know. And thankfully, most of the clients I've worked with have been dreams. They have been so respectful of it. I had somebody send me something on the weekend once and she's just like, hey, I just noticed this. Like, I'm so sorry. I noticed the weekend. Like, I'll expect to hear back on Monday and just stuff like that. Like they know your boundaries ahead of time and they respect it is awesome. And it's not for being like, a hard ass just to be a hard ass. It's it's yeah, to create exactly. the expectations and to exceed those expectations instead of leave things loosey goosey and then get feel taken advantage of because creatives yeah. do. It's really easy to get taken advantage of. It's really easy to feel pushed around or like or like a pixel pusher micromanaged when you don't have boundaries in place. And that's really the difference between someone who is professional and someone who's novice is your process and your boundaries. Yeah, right? process so so important. Like more important than your like design skill, even I would say that's the thing that people put in and like they go into being an entrepreneur and they're like, oh, I'm going to design all the time. Okay, surprise. Like that's maybe 50% of it. Client management is Mm -hmm. the bulk of my time is just communicating with people. I hate being on video calls, but sometimes they're necessary and it's like you have to do it. So if you're thinking of being an entrepreneur and you're like, I love designing, I want to design all day, like go ahead and just expect that like maybe half of it is not going to be designing. Yeah. Or you hire someone to do the things you don't want to do. Right. Like I hired Cody. She's totally in charge of pulling together proposals, invoices, contracts, following up for billing, scheduling, everything. So when someone emails me and they say, Hey, I've got a conflict. I can't make my one-on-one day. What other availability do you have? I forward that to Cody. And I say, Cody will coordinate with you. 
And then it pops on my calendar. And that's, I'm not using my brain that I need for design time for those kinds of tasks, right? And that kind of outsourcing or like bookending really of your process is so helpful. Like for me, I hate file exports. So the first contractor I brought on my team was Haley, who did handled all of the file exports for that clients. so funny to me that you outsource that. I love it. Because <laughs> I hate it. I just really disliked it. it. It requires an attention to detail. And like, granted, it's only 20 or 30 minutes per project. But to me, I would rather like get a root canal than like be in charge of exporting all the assets and putting them into the correct folders because it's, uh, it's, it's so boring to me and I'd rather focus on designing. <laughs> but still, even with my whole team that I have, I only design heavy duty design once a week, Wednesdays. That's it. That's the only design day. That's the only day that I have. Um, so it, it is really interesting, but you, you do have control over, over it to an extent, just depends on how much what you need to prioritize. Um, but I agree. It's not like we're, we're hopping on and designing stuff yeah. all day, every day. It was disappointing when I went full time and I was like, Oh, like other things, not fun. Mm-hmm. Don't love, mm-hmm. you know, all kinds of stuff. There are some questions that came in through the Facebook group because my set of okay. Facebook group. So I want to hit some of those, um, before we run out of time. But one of the questions was what resources do you have to share with aspiring web designers? And what are some of the tools for getting started with building websites for smaller clients? So number one, I'm just going to give a cop-out answer here, but I have a resources page on my website and there is a tab specifically for designers. So I would definitely check that out. Uh, But to answer the second part of that, in terms of smaller scale websites, the tools that you're using you're going to want to figure out ahead of time. Obviously, figure out what platform are you on. If you're just starting out, I would not focus on multiple platforms. Pick one and learn everything you can about it. I think from a beginner standpoint, a lot of people say like, oh, Squarespace. Squarespace is very user-friendly, but over time, you're a little restricted on what you can do in terms of custom coding and like working with templates and stuff. So personally, and I know people disagree with this, but personally, I would not start on Squarespace. I would look at WordPress and use a visible builder like Elementor or Divi. I personally use Elementor. Um, I probably about 75% of my business is WordPress websites built with Elementor. Like those are awesome. Um, Great builder. And there are so many resources online of different ways to build with that one platform. So that would be my number one. And then second, if you're just really like, oh, I don't know anything about web design that seems really confusing. If you're familiar with Adobe programs, the back end of Show It really, really mimics what an Adobe program looks like. So being able to figure that out may be a little bit easier if you're more on the visual side. So one of those two platforms I would figure out and then figure out your design process and how you're going to communicate revisions and initial designs with the client. Personally, I used to design directly in the platform and I thought it was so dumb when I saw people doing mock-ups and then they would develop. I'm like, what a waste of time. Like I have so much, me and my one year of experience are very much smarter than you. Um, No, dead wrong. Please do mock-ups. And the reason being is it's going to actually save you time because it's going to streamline the feedback process. Because when you just send them a developed page and you're like, okay, first draft, like when you go in to make changes, depending on how extensive of those changes are, you may be completely rebuilding it versus just, you know, moving something around in Adobe XD, which is similar to Illustrator or Photoshop, a lot quicker to do. And you can also still have the original version and you can see the entire site at once. So personally, I use Adobe XD. It's a free program. Um, I use a, I, I watched a tutorial, like little mini course on it. And all that's in my resources page as well. But maybe spend three, four hours learning it and you should be good to go from there. And 
life hack for designers who don't love doing social content. As soon as you make your mockups in Adobe XD, you've got social graphics, you've got stuff to put on Pinterest, you've got stuff for reels if you just want to do like quick photo reels to the beat of the music. So that has tremendously helped me. I just send a link over to clients like we talked about earlier. They can drag and drop pins or they can do a video uh, screen share and go through their feedback. So figuring that process out from design to development, very, very important and being very clear in how you do that. So they get, for me, two rounds of revisions. And then after that, they will get charged for additional stuff. And then when I move into development, that is the final site. Copies not getting changed. Images are not getting changed. Like nothing is getting changed. Um, maybe some hover feature, something like that. But once that's locked into development, like the site is done. And plus, let's say recently you got COVID or something, or you maybe have a family emergency, your process can very easily then be outsourced to someone else in case of an emergency. Or if you're juggling multiple projects, you can considerably cut down your timeline and send those mockups to a developer. So I I would say those are like the main, main things to keep in mind. If you are just starting out designing, like those things are going to be most important for you. And then figure out your client communication and your, you know, CRM system and all that stuff. But process would be most important for me. I mean, essentially this whole episode is like how to have a successful web design business. (laughs) I mean, basically, yeah, Michelle. (laughs) You basically said everything from the beginning. Like, here's what you need to do. Focus on this, then figure out that. So guys, if you're not taking like scrupulous notes on this whole episode and and DMing Georgia and thanking her for telling you exactly (laughs) how to start, that's what you should be doing. Uh, Here's another Facebook group question. Any tips for selling a website project to a client who would benefit from a new updated site, but doesn't see the value? I already, we discussed this question already. I have my hot button take, but I'll let you take a swing at it first. Well, a hot button take is if a client did not actually reach out to you and they don't want to work with you, then that's, you know, not going to happen. Like, why would you want to work with someone who doesn't want to work with you? That's number one. Like if they're not your ideal client, they're not your ideal client, drop it, move on, find, you know, greener grass. But outside of that, I would be curious to know how they came to be. Like, did they fill out your inquiry form? Are they chatting with you on Instagram? Were they a referral versus did you just stumble across them on Instagram? You think that they're your ideal client and you think that their website's ugly, but they never reached out to you. So if you're about to cold pitch someone, just don't do it. There's a lot of people out there who are like, oh no, like you can put together a great cold pitch. I'm going to tell you right now, never once has anyone been happy to get an email stating like, hey, this looks bad, but I can fix it for you. Your shit's ugly. (laughs) Yeah. Like just no, like don't do that. Um, So if they're a warm, you know, lead though, and they've reached out to you and they're sort of on the fence, like maybe they want to be part of this. Maybe they don't. Truly, the number one thing you can do is have testimonials and have actual results from your past clients. Web design can be a little bit tricky because obviously traffic is important. Are people converting? But the design element is also part of that. If you have an outdated website, it is going to prevent people from wanting to work with you in some cases, especially, for instance, like San Diego Brokerage, like they're they're selling very luxury properties and they need a good luxury experience online or say somebody's in interior design. I just worked with a general contractor who builds beautiful, like brand new homes right on the beach in California, like in the LA area. So these are multi-million dollar properties and the website was not reflecting that. Like 
not someone you would want to hire if that was what you were looking for. And now it looks like that. The website is Lux. It looks really good. It's one of my favorites. So having that experience to say, here is how I have helped past clients based on XYZ, that's going to work in your favor. But ultimately, you don't need to be begging for a client, I guess is the best way of saying that. Yeah. I I would say that a client who doesn't see the value in a new website, you got to do a little bit more digging. You got to say, okay, why do we feel like having an updated website is not valuable? Like, where are you getting this information? And also what demographic (laughs) are you trying to target? And are they someone that's coming to your website? Are they on your social media? What is the end goal? What, how, what are they coming to your website to do? Like, those are all really important questions. We even noticed here in Del Mar that almost every restaurant in Del Mar has the same website. Like oh, some yeah, website designer just template. went door to door yep. to door to door and said, oh, I'll do your website. Get this. The website designer charged $400 a month to run their website forever. So you're going to pay. So as a as restaurant, like you see why it's effective for the restaurant because you're like, oh yeah, 400 bucks a month, no problem. But like, what do you think they're doing for that maintenance phase for 400 bucks a month? They're uploading the PDF of the menu for $400 yep. a month. Yep. Like there's not, there's, they're missing the opportunity of like, they don't, they never set up email lists. They didn't build out funnels. They didn't have like promos. There's nothing really like that proprietary that was happening. So it's, it's crazy because it's a type of business model for web design, but you got to figure out like, what are the goals of bringing someone to the site and how do you create value for that person who's coming? Um, and how does the existing site not deliver on that value or not deliver yeah. on those goals? Something I see a lot is people saying that they don't need a new website because their business is already doing well. And I think that can be a tricky thing. Like, obviously, if you're just cold pitching someone, you know, forget it. But if someone is reaching out to you and they're kind of interested in a website, mostly because of feedback, like people are like, oh, your business is really cool, but your website sucks. It's ugly, not a great user experience. It can be difficult to have that conversation when you already feel like you are successful. Poor Berta. I'm so sorry, Berta. Berta, I'm sorry. Your website looks great though. So, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, the question was, how important is it to have a portfolio as a creative? Having a portfolio as a creative is sort of a non-negotiable in my book because you can't sell things if you're not, you know, proving that you can do them. For me personally, I didn't update my portfolio for a while because I was working on client work. And I think this is a really common problem. Like, I mean, this just happened with you too, where you're like, I'm finally updating it. Like I've been doing like 200 brands since then, but I'm going to update it finally. So taking the time to actually update your portfolio is going to be really important to begin with, but showing the diversity of your work. So we were kind of joking at the beginning about how like you're very light and I'm very dark. And ironically, I actually don't work on only dark websites recently because of your clients. I've been working on a lot of bright websites and I love them. Like I definitely don't have a preference toward one or the other. My personal style is just very dark. So having a portfolio that can showcase that so that when somebody comes to me and they're like, Hey, you know, like I like your work, I like your vibe, but I really, you know, work with bright colors or I'm in this industry. I have a whole list of stuff I can send to them. And I'm like, hey, you know, totally fine. Because when you get on a call with somebody for a consult call, it's a lot harder to sell yourself as a service provider when you don't have anything to show for yourself besides Instagram. And I think a lot of people are like, oh, I have Instagram. I put content there. Not all of your clients are going to be on Instagram. And honestly, not all of them really want to just be on Instagram looking at work, especially as a web designer. Yeah. You don't own Instagram. There could be so many issues with that idea. 
There's so People many being issues. locked out of their accounts or their yes. accounts activated. I've seen that a lot recently. So, and just in general, as a web designer, I feel like if you don't have a website and you're not updating yeah. your website because it doesn't look good, <laughs> it's like, what are you doing with your life? Like, that's like you not having a brand. Like, it would be weird. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like, that's, that's like a nutritionist, like not having any healthy food in their fridge. You're like, yeah, wait exactly. a second, what? Like, no, I definitely think a portfolio is important. It doesn't need to be super extensive. It also doesn't need to be a hundred percent client work. Put your case Ooh, study work in there. Point. If yeah. you don't feel like you're attracting the kind of client you want to work for, do a case study project and build it anything of your wildest dreams, take a kiss my portfolio challenge, get all that fake, you know, demo information of like a pretend client and a pretend prompt and a pretend business and build the website as if, right. Yeah. And then really like let loose and, and, and cut loose on what your personal aesthetic and style is because you need to show and illustrate to a potential client. I hear your problem. I understand what you're looking for. I can diagnose this as the solution. And here are five times I've solved that problem before. Exactly. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up the Kiss My Portfolio Challenge too, because you can definitely just make up your own projects that you want to work totally. on. I did that in the past. Had I been a new designer though, 100% I would have done the Kiss My Portfolio because you're getting feedback from actual designers who are doing this every day. Mm-hmm. The prompt is very, very in the details about everything that needs to be included. So by the end, you quite literally have a full case study. So I'm not just promoting it because I like you, but it honestly is like being one of the past guest judges, it honestly is very, very strong and you're getting solid feedback. I would say the feedback from the other designers is so helpful and you will learn something. I even learned stuff just going through and like stalking the other feedback mm-hmm. from people because I was like, what are they saying about this? So if you are starting literally from ground zero, definitely consider that because you should have something in your portfolio. Otherwise, you're going to be charging very cheap rates for a very long time and getting very subpar clients. Of course. And the the whole idea of the portfolio challenge was really like, what's in the PDF are the answers to the brand questionnaire as if it's a real client. Like Mm -hmm. you have all of that information about their competitors, about their ideal client avatar, their brand adjectives, their aesthetics, their mission, their vision. You have all that information so that you can really treat it as if. And then someone asked on my Instagram, I think last week, like, do you have to disclose when something is a case study project? And I was like, no, who cares? Like if someone asks you, like, I don't think I've ever had anyone ask me, does that business really exist in real life? Like, of course, like what? But also it doesn't matter because you're, that's not the, the problem here that what you're trying to do with a case study project is illustrate how you do what you do well. Yeah, exactly. And it really should be telling a story. And something I see a lot with web designers in their portfolio is they will actually link to their client's site because they didn't take the time to actually build a separate portfolio page with details about the project. They're like, oh, I'll just link them. Worst thing you can do. And I'm sure people will disagree with me like, oh, support your clients. But here's the thing. If somebody's on my website, yeah, I want them to love my clients, but I also want them to hire me. So I don't need them leaving my website. Like that totally defeats the purpose of having it. And also... I, if I'm not managing that website, I don't have any control. Like what if they, what if that client forgets to, you know, reinstate their domain or renew their domain or their hosting and it goes down. That looks so bad on me, Mm -hmm. even though it's not my fault. So Mm -hmm. take the time, build a portfolio page that you can then duplicate moving forward with all of the details you need for a project and fill it out as you do the project. That's what I do now where I basically, I've got all my mock-ups that I'll be able to upload into the template. I have, or upload it into my little portfolio template. I've got the name, I've got a brief description that I pull right from their questionnaire that they wrote about their company themselves, grab the testimonial and I'm good to go. And 
I don't really need to do anything other than that. Yeah. Simplify your process. Definitely. You want to have a hard copy of your creative skills at work. Um, I love that idea of like having those screenshots ready or you'll do kind of like a website tour video. video. I've done that a few times. Super helpful. Super helpful. Where can everyone find you, follow you and even work with you to stay connected? Because I feel like you're going to get some inquiries off of this episode. Hopefully, hopefully some MKW clients. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the best. Uh, so you can obviously find me on my website. It is georgiagkaye.com. And I'm very happy to report I now have Georgia K as well. I had to fight for that at the beginning when I went full time. Now I got it and it redirects to Georgia G. So there you go. Uh, and then on Instagram, Georgia GK as well. On Pinterest, Georgia GK. I have a wonderful Pinterest manager who is doing awesome work uploading all my designs. So I love her for that. Uh, and then I have a Facebook page not really active on it. But if you want to connect there, you can. And then uh, TikTok is Georgia GK as well. And we'll make sure her link to her resources page gets added to the show notes. And she's also working on a very special page that's just a summary of all the projects she's been able to do with us. We'll include that. Yes. And we'll make sure that that gets added to the show notes too. Georgia, thank you so much for coming. And thanks for bearing with us through the the dog barks. Our dogs wanted to participate today. I loved it. I want them to be part of it. Look at him now though. Look at this dog. Can you see him? He's napping. He's passed out. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Look at him. He's little paw on the pillow. Look at him. <laughs> Such a diva, that dog. I swear. Well, thanks everybody for listening and we'll catch you next time on the podcast. See ya. Thanks again for joining us for the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. I'm your host, Michelle, of course, and it would mean the world to me if you would go ahead and leave us a review and follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else that you listen to podcasts, really. The Kiss My Aesthetic Facebook group is also going to be a killer resource for you to ask questions, get feedback on anything branding, marketing, or entrepreneurship related. And to catch today's show notes or anything that we talked about in this episode, make sure you go to mkwcreative.co slash kmapod. We'll catch you next time.